So you like bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames The Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got them podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Hey, welcome back, Bon Vivants, to the We Like That Too podcast. I'm Brad Jones, and we're coming to you from the happy confines of the Bon Vivant International Media Center. Happy, happy, happy. Always nice to be back down here at the, uh, at the studio. Of course, joining me is the head Bon Vivant himself, Mr. Keith Inlow. Hey, Brad. Hi, everybody. How's it going out there? Good. Glad to have everybody back. We've yeah. got a bunch of stuff. Oh, so we're, this is... This is just us. Because, Yours truly. Because some of you out there say that they just enjoy listening to the two of us, which you know, amazes us beyond it belief. Does. It shocks me. Somebody <laughs> told me – I've had a couple of people tell me recently, we like the guests, but we like it when you guys just do the show yourselves. And they also told me, and this surprised me pleasantly, <laughs> that they really enjoy our wine reviews, that they it it causes them to go out and buy the wine. Hear that? Possible, <laughs> <Down at Barbino. laughs> possible sponsors out there. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, we we both have made it very evident that we're not wine experts. We're wine drinkers. And so I always feel like, well, maybe we're not getting in-depth enough. But they, the people that talked to me said they actually like the fact we keep it simple. We uh, – it's something they can understand. It's accessible. So I was complimented by that and, and uh, excited. So well, I think you know non wine nerds appreciate yeah. someone saying they, they don't care. They just want to know: does it suck or not? Yeah. Is it okay? Is it you know? Is, what do I eat this with? Is it good with a steak? Can I get some pasta? You know. Well, or if nothing else, is it is it being described as the kind of wine that I like? Right. And if it's not, then maybe I'm not going to. You know, lean toward that. But if it is, I might go out and buy a bottle and try it. Sure. So absolutely. And we do want to thank, of course, our bottle sponsor. Exactly. Barvino in beautiful downtown Jefferson yeah. City for all your beverage needs. Matt Green uh, is hitting it out of the park again today for us. So uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. But, have you uh, noticed that Matt's place on Friday and Saturday night is is becoming less intimate? Have you noticed? It I've has noticed been that, packed that the last place couple of Every weeks. night of the week is less intimate. <laughs> <laughs> I it doesn't matter when you go in there it's always busy and always crowded. You yep. know the other thing that I think that says his staff, we don't give enough shout outs to the staff down there. They are unbelievable and they're loyal and he's trained them properly. I know he takes good care of them and I think that's why they stick around. They're wonderful they're people. wonderful people. because they put up with people like us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're I think I don't think we're their problem. <laughs> I don't think we are. <laughs> I think they like us. Yes. But uh, it's not an easy job. And those nights when they're hammered there behind the bar, they are running and hustling. Kudos to the staff at Barvino and, and congratulations, Matt. You've done a great job down there. Those aren't the times that I go and pick up my wine club wines. No, no. Those because and, – and when here's the thing. They're not doing cocktails that have two parts, you know. Oh, no. They're not just – slugging beers they're not just they're, drawing drawing taps yeah they've got uh, some complex sort of shaking and stuff going on you know uh it's they, fun to, they're making you know cocktails. i like just going in there and sitting down at the end of the bar and watching them i do too because it's it's like what are you making now what are you making now 
they're complicated. You're exactly right. It's kind of its own own little show. Yeah, it right is. There, it is. Right it's there. entertainment. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. Yeah. Speaking of entertainment, yes, uh, we've done some stuff uh, since we did the last years. Truly, but but one of the ones we wanted to talk to uh, the Bon Vivants about because I think it had an impact big time on us. I thought because I knew one of them that it was going to be a special night, but we went up to the Lyceum Theater. Yes. And we had an opportunity to hear two of really the finest. I mean, these are Hall of Fame type yeah, songwriters are. in Nashville. Uh, Scott, right. Scotty Emmerich, yep. who uh, has written almost well, every hit Toby Keith's ever had. Yeah, and he was he traveled with Toby for yeah. like seventeen years yeah. or something. So, yeah. and then Mr. Paul Overstreet, Paul Overstreet, who has worked with just about every great yeah. songwriter, uh, Don Schlitz. All of the 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 people in in Nashville that he's worked with is well, just and, a who's who. And Paul has had some recording success of his and own. And he's but had his it's own. The songwriter side. So let me so back up a bit, little bit. So okay. Bon Vivants at Christmas time, Brad and Brenda gave several of their friends a Christmas gift of tickets to this concert at the Lyceum Theater, and it was it was titled a singer songwriter uh, ga- I don't know gathering or something like that. But it was these two singer songwriters. Now I'm gonna. Uh, cards on the table. I'm going to be very honest. I knew it would be good. I wasn't from. I, I knew the name Paul Overstreet. I did not know Scotty Emmerich at all. The name, and I uh, I knew it would be good because I enjoy that stuff. I had no idea how much fun and how good this concert was going to be. These guys knocked it out of the park. So first of all, thank you for those tickets. <laughs> and we got a party bus. It was one of the best Christmas gifts we've ever gotten, <laughs> and had a good group that went up there. Party bus and. Just had a great time. The people at the Lyceum treated us the right way and great seats and everything. And you got to interact with the artists. So it was a great evening and uh, just hit after hit after hit. Well, songs that you had no idea these guys wrote them. And they'd start popping them out. And as I told you, as you go through their, if you want to call it their discography, we could have gone another two hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with with some of the stuff that they've what they've written, and for those of you who are not you know familiar, Scotty Emmerich wrote as good as I once was with yeah. uh, Toby, yeah. and uh, of never, course, beer for my horses. Beer for my, I'll never uh, smoke weed with Willie. I'll never again. smoke yeah. weed with Lou, and I love this bar, which I've yeah, always I love, I love that. Yeah. And uh, and then he did. Um, do you remember the anchor song that he did? And we looked at it was our, kind of a trap rock song. Wasn't it was it? a trap rock song, and we looked at Baker and go, "You got to record yeah. this." David Baker, of yeah. course, the musical director for the We Like That Too podcast. That's right. um, but I don't think anybody enjoyed that evening as much as David did. He just sat there. And, yeah. And then the last song that Paul Overstreet did. Was uh, when you say nothing at all, right? By Keith Whitley, yeah, and that busted up everybody in the place. And I, I almost, uh, you know, I, I know Keith Whitley recorded it, but you know, to me, that's an Alison Krauss song, right? She, I, I'm not sure she didn't have a bigger hit with it than Keith Whitley did, uh, because when I hear it on my Pandora, it's usually Alison Krauss doing, yeah. It. Uh, but a great song and a beautiful love song, and, and you know, the other thing that I really liked about it was just the setting: two stools, two microphones. A table in between them, and they were drinking. We're going to get to this. This will be a lead-in. They were drinking something that's going to tie in with what we're drinking today. Two guitars and two guys, and that was it. Yep. Acoustic, beautiful sound, clean, simple. 
you know, you could just sit there and listen to it all night. Well, I said it was our version of the Bluebird Cafe because yes. if you go down to Nashville, it, that's what it is. Yeah. It is a, they've got a few more artists, but they put them in the middle and you're sitting around them and yeah. they're sitting in a yeah. circle and they just go from one to the next. That, that made it, it wasn't just, it was a show. They had their banter down. They had the stories behind the songs. They were funny. They interacted with each other and the audience appropriately. You know, just a just a great evening of entertainment. Yeah, yeah it was a yeah, lot. That of was fun. fun. So, but, what they were drinking. So, let's not get too far down the road before we start sampling <laughs> our one bottle. You know me. Let's get our priorities straight. What they were drinking, I noticed, was Prisoner Wine. At least Scotty Emmerich was. You, and you can, you know, if you know the label, you know Prisoner Wine. You know what he was drinking. In yep. fact, somebody from the audience yelled. He was filling his glass, and somebody yelled out, "Prisoner!" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." So, Prisoner Wine is, you know. Classic wine from California, known for their red blends. Or the Orange Swift Company, um, you know, sort of launched Prisoner. And today we are drinking the second version of Saldo. So we've done Saldo Zinfandel on the program before, which is a red label. I yeah, and it's a red label. And it looks like the old label maker. And you, yeah, you can't yeah. miss this these labels on Saldo because they spent billions of dollars on this them. Is, it looks like the little uh, addressograph machine thing that you did. Yes. You, Chink, this is, chinked them out. If you look up minimalist in the dictionary, <laughs> this is what you'll find. <laughs> so Saldo in October of 21 launched a new red blend. It has a blue label. It looks just like the red label, but it is a, a red blend. Tell you a little bit about it. This is a 2019 vintage, but it is a blend of Petite Syrah, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Zinfandel. Chrissy Whitman is the the director of winemaking for Prisoner Wine Company, but the winemaker for this new blend is Todd. It's either Ricard or Richard. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, and I'm sorry about that, Todd. But but Todd came over from Wild Horse Winery, which is also known for its wide variety of um, different wines and blends, and so he fit right into the Saldo style of winemaking. But this blue label Saldo blend is outstanding. This is nice. Yeah. So what do you what do you think what do you think about it? It's uh it's very silky, it's very smooth. Uh it is reminiscent of the other Saldo which we like a lot. Yes. The Zimbabwe um, we love. It's yeah. it's extremely well balanced. It's got a beautiful color. It is not black and inky like some uh big red wines, but it's it's got a lovely deep purple color and a nice a nice halo on the on the rim. It's um and a very pleasant um, big nose. finish. It's yeah. got a, a real a real pleasant finish to it. Not it's not alcoholy at all. Uh, this is a this is a very well made wine. Did you tell me what the varietals are? Yeah, in there? the varietals are uh, Petite Syrah, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Zinfandel. It does not give the percentages, and I don't blame them for giving away not giving away their recipe, but. You know, those varietals often blend together because they complement each other, smoothing out flavors and right. taking away tannins and things like that. And yeah, so this has got a great nose. It's, you can smell some, some spices, some baking spices. And that's on what this. I was going to say, Keith. I, I get maybe just a little bit more of the Syrah in it. Now, yeah. I don't know what the percentage is, but it seems like, uh, the Syrah is a, but you know, Zinfandel can be a little bit spicy too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, but this is but smooth. With the two of them, I think it is. I, think I don't get pepper off of this. No. At all. No. And that, you know, that petite Syrah probably cuts that down a Smooths little bit. Smooths it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great blending wine. But um, this is, um, this is really nice. It's very nice. It's very nice. well. You said it. Very well balanced. Some good acid on it. You get fruit, but you get some really good acid on the back end. 
that cuts it. No, I could drink this all day. This is wonderful. Yes, it. Good uh, choice. The, the nose is actually just phenomenal. I get a little smoke off the nose. It's not overpowering, but um, just a hint of smoke. Yep. Ah. We shouldn't both drink at the same time. Y'all wanted to hear that. Didn't That's you? bad radio. That is bad radio. All right. That's bad. So radio. anyway, Saldo Blue Label Red Blend. There and price point on that is about twenty six to thirty two dollars, depending on I'd pay where that. you're shopping. I'd pay that for that. Very affordable. Very. Yeah. I will tell you this: it's not easy to get. It hit the market and it's become very popular, and so it is selling out anywhere it's dropping. Well, good for uh, you. It's uh, it's not staying on the shelves very long. Good, good. All right. You know one of the That's things. Our wine for the day. You know one of the things I love about this use truly show, other than the fact that we can do whatever the hell we want is we can touch on several of the different things that we really like. And, you know, one of the other things we were talking about going up to Lyceum, yeah. I just went up and saw a version of Our Town. And yes. you being you being the, the theater bon vivant that you are, I don't really know that I've had a chance to visit with you about that production. But um, we, we talked briefly about it, and I think I mentioned Our Town. You know, in, in community theater and, and educational theater, Certain scripts sort of make the rounds, and they will get popular and they will get hot. Right. Our town is popular right now. And if you look at – if you Google community theaters across the country or, or university theaters across the country, I don't know if it's an anniversary of the show. I mean it's an American – it's a piece of American drama that's just classical. Well, the reason that, that we did it, uh, there was a specific reason is – you remember the Lyceum was having their 60th anniversary, right, which right. got – Totally screwed up Got because torched. of the pan. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. that was so disappointing. We had we had a big thing planned. We had some of the uh, a couple of the original cast members that were in the first show. Wow! From because they one of them lives down in Florida. It was going to come back for that, yeah. Yeah. and uh, was going to was going to speak uh, when it was you know the church up there at, right. at the Lyceum. Right. That's an, one of the reasons that we picked it, and and another show that's coming up, Charlie's Aunt, which has been around another, even another longer than, yeah. <laughs> than our oh, yeah. town. Yeah. But you're right, you know, they, they there's ebbs and flows. But what's interesting, Keith, about theater is the cream usually rises to the top, right? And whether it's it's hot at the moment or not. It always seems to, to it creep always back delivers. in and it comes back in. Yeah, and it always delivers. It's like yeah. you know, there's a reason they keep reviving Oklahoma on Broadway. You know, those classic shows yeah. always deliver. Good theater, you yeah. know, you always come back to it. Yeah. They do the revivals and sometimes they Exactly. They revive too much. But well, you said that the uh, the guy who played the stage manager was outstanding. He was fantastic. I know yeah. you said that that was a part that you'd like it's, to play. It's a bucket list role for me. This guy, I tell you what. I know it was scripted, but you would swear he just bops in and yeah. talks to the audience yeah. and that, it, that there was no script there. Cool. He was so off the cuff, so natural and, you know, he'd kind of him and haw a little bit and say, yeah. now, folks, you know, here's kind of what's going on. And then he'd just kind of slink off and he, would just, <laughs> he was great. He was really, really yeah. good. So good. I'm sorry anyway. I missed it. It was bad timing for us as far as travel and things like that. But glad you got to see it, and glad it was a good show. And of course, they do. You know, you save a lot of money on the uh, sets for for our town. You don't have to spend a whole lot on sets, right? But uh, I thought with the way that they did 
the minimalist setting that they did, I thought they did a, a really nice job with That's it. That's another thing I love about the script, though. It is It gives you so much flexibility as far as artistic design and set design, lighting, that kind of thing. You can go almost anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And it does not have to be elaborate, but you can – experiment and do some things that maybe somebody has not ever done before and still make it work. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Well, they've got Charlie's Ant and they've got Elvis coming up because this year we've got more shows up there than we've ever had because we had a holdover from last year's season. So we've got uh, spring shows that we've never had and then they've got the full season starting again. Oh, that's good. But I also wanted to give you another little review because, you know, we've talked about the restaurant Catalpa up in yes. El Rock. And yes. they, they have moved down they've moved downtown. The they, new the new location. The, the new the new location. It's funky. It has a gold toilet. Let's put it that way. The bathroom is done in gold and it has a big gold commode in there. It's sort of their thing, you know. It's it's yeah. it's hilarious. I Everybody has, goes to the bathroom that has to, be to take pictures of the of the bathroom because yeah. they did a wonderful job. But she's doing uh, that's Chef Liz yes. there at Catalba. Uh, her pizzas are fantastic, absolutely amazing, super pizzas. So they're doing pizzas and they're doing fancy sandwiches yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's sort of I, I don't recall pizza being a mainstay on her old menu. Oh no, it wasn't. No, so that's sort of a shift for her. It's a real shift, and yeah. she's gone less fancy but still great. Because this is a classically trained chef. That's right. That can and the cook old, anything she wants to. And the old Catalpa was considered really one of the top ten restaurants in the whole state. Oh, of yeah, Missouri. fine dining. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, fine dining in a rustic setting. Yeah. yeah. Steak, seafood, and oh, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So she has found a place. She's taken you know one of the old historic buildings downtown Arrow Rock and uh, has, done a, <laughs> has done an amazing job yeah. with it. That's exciting. And, uh, yeah, we they need were, to get there. They were humping in there before a show. You know, everybody in town that sells anything knows when show days. You got to get them in and out too. And you got to yep. get them, and you got to get them in and out. So there's my. Uh, so we've done uh, drinking, theater, uh, music. Yeah. Uh, we're we're hitting on pretty much everything. Here. So the the one thing that we typically do on these yours truly shows is what have you been watching? That's right. And, and so we and, haven't talked about that for a while. And um, <laughs> before we start on this, I've got to say I've developed a pet peeve. All right. You know, there's so much stuff that's available nowadays. but And I get trapped into these episodic serial uh, streaming shows, and but they take so long between seasons now. Maybe it's a ploy. It, it might be a ploy that forces you to go back and watch the previous season – so you can get caught up again. And and Ozark's an example. And I love Ozark. I like it. But when the season, the new season dropped, I couldn't remember what had happened in the previous season. You really got to go back and watch the previews. Yeah. I do anymore. I'm like, oh, who is that? What, the, what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. The last the, – the, the same thing happened with uh, The Last Kingdom. It's another uh, knights and Vikings and stuff. And, you know, I've seen the Danes invade England so many times. <laughs> but I had to go back. In fact, I'm not done yet. I had to go back and – and rewatch the previous season because they just start this next season. It's been a year and a half, and I'm like, I don't remember what happened. So that's a pet peeve of mine. Sure can't pre- pronounce any of their names. Yeah, I mean, well, they've got a new, but there's a new Viking one, right? There's a new Viking Valhalla. I tried. Have you gotten into it? I've finished the season. I love it. I love it. I don't know. I couldn't get in. So it. the thing that's cool about this one is it jumps forward a couple of hundred years, right? 
from that standpoint, you don't really have to know what was going on other than, you know, again, the Vikings are trying to settle and stay in England. That's not happening. So uh, The English had other plans yeah. for them. They, it, it wasn't exporting them out either. It well, was pretty much eliminating them. From, back then, the English weren't united either. No. You had these little mini kingdoms and that were always, you know, feuding and so – yeah, it, it's interesting. I just, I just love that stuff. The Last Kingdoms, they're all really well done. Production values are good. It, some of them are gory. I mean, those people were a different yeah. breed. Well, you know, they lopping all, off limbs and heads and putting heads on pikes and stuff like that. You know, uh, they, they had they had the old saying, you know, what do the Scots and the Welsh have in common? They're Mutual hatred of the English. (laughs) That gets gets played out in in several movies. The Scots are invading into northern England and this one I'm watching right now. So so what are you you watching? Well, both of us – I know there's a couple that both of us have watched. Okay, we got Miss Maisel coming back. Yes. Mrs. Maisel. So so it it, again, I love The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and it is on – Amazon. Amazon Prime. But I started the new season. And the first episode, I'm lost. I'm like, <laughs> where are they? What happens? I had to go back. All I did was watch the final episode, and I got up very quickly. Yeah. Caught up very quickly. So I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Rachel Brosnahan. She's phenomenal. She's just wonderful. She's, it's got know, a great cast. I, do you remember her in House of Cards? Do you remember what? I do not. I don't either. She was in House of Cards, and she was in a movie called The Courier and a couple other things. But I I, I mean, she's just, she is so standout in this. She's yeah. phenomenal. The whole cast is great. Yeah, she, the, the 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 people that play the parents. Yeah, they're great. They are. Um, no, it's extremely well cast. Yeah, and, and and actually, there is a Jeff City connection to the show. Did you know that? Oh, that's right. Tell tell the Bombay Vons. So Connor Ratliff is in the show, that's and right. he had a Connor is from Jefferson City. He had sort of a cameo role in the season where they were in the Catskills doing the the summer camp and the, or the you know the uh, in the in the mountains. Yes. Uh, the summer thing. He was like the, you know, like the dirty dancing resort. Right. He was on staff. He was one of the staff members at that resort and he kind of got paired up with Susie. Right. So Connor is, um, he's got short curly hair and he's kind of zoftig and, you know, he's, he's just pleasant, funny guy. And his role has been expanded now to where he's Susie's roommate and he's very uh, present in this new season and new uh, later episode. So, Connor, if you're listening, Connor, we, here's an open invitation. There's a there's a seat right here at the Bombay Vaughn International Media Center. If you ever get home or right. uh, whatever, we'd love to talk to you. Connor does fun. a lot of online comedy stuff. He's very active in New York comedy scene and. You know, uh, the Zach Galifianakis uh, thing, Between Two Ferns, have you seen it? Mm-mm. So Connor does something similar called, <laughs> if I'm, I hope I'm getting it, Dollar Store Therapist. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> the premise is he sets up a couple of lawn chairs in the aisle of like a dollar store, and he's a psychologist <laughs> that helps people with their problems. It's pretty freaking funny. I'm going to have to find No, that. it's funny. Look That's- it up. I think it's Dollar Store Therapist. It's funny. Yeah, it's very clever. And they're short, they're just short little snippets. Little yeah. five little skits. Yeah, you can things. YouTube them and stuff and they're funny. So, but anyway, love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. All right. The other one that I know you and I have watched, and then I know there's a couple that you haven't watched. And I know you've watched a bunch of stuff that I haven't, but the one I know that we've watched together that I don't know that we have mutual love for is Inventing Anna. Yeah. 
Yeah, we watched the whole season. Yeah, I did too. We we almost binged it, except we couldn't stay up all night. So <laughs> that so doesn't this, happen much. So inventing anyway. Anna is uh, a Netflix production. Yes, and it stars Anna Chomsky. Now you know who Anna is from My Girl. My Girl. Yeah, the child actress from My Girl. With the amazing she, eyes. She had the most. And beautiful she is eyes. a great actress, phenomenal actress. She's done well for herself. And then the, the but the main character, the Anna character, is Julia Garner, who is on Ozark. That is plays Ruth Langmore. Plays plays Ruth on Ozark. Yeah, yeah. So you'll recognize her from that. Looks nothing like Ruth in this thing. No, she's 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 lost her her fuzzy headed yeah uh, her curly blonde, blonde hair. yeah her curly yeah. blondness and. Yeah. Uh, so you were not as enamored of this as I was. You know, well. Before I forget, because this happens, did you see last night there was a uh, there was a thing on the news about her about they wanted to de- this isn't over this story. Oh, you mean the, the real, real story, story yeah, is yeah. not over. So, Bon Vivants, you need to know that inventing Anna is based on a true story. Yep, and it's this New York socialite who inserts herself into New York society, and according to some people, bilks people out of millions of dollars. According to others, is just very smart and. Gets people to do stuff for her. So, you know, depending on how you look at it. But, yeah, it, the story's not over. No. Yeah. And so they're trying to deport her back to Germany. She doesn't want to go, Keith. Hard to believe. She doesn't want to go back to Germany. It's a, she's a, stra- it's a strange character. I, uh, yeah. So, all right, what was it that you didn't really care for? All right. What I, what I didn't care for was, I, I didn't like the accent. Now, you and I talked about yeah, this. I, I did, I didn't like her accent. I thought it was just, it, it just seemed so contrived. But on the other hand, this woman, in my opinion, is a con artist. She is She's a con, a con woman. Yeah, she is a con artist. And so, you know, if she doesn't have a good accent, uh, maybe that's on me. But I, you know, the fact that she got some of those incredibly powerful banking people and stuff to do what they did, uh, for her, still just just blows my mind, yeah. and I didn't. I felt no sympathy for her going to jail. I thought she she defrauded people and hurt people, yeah. uh, especially yeah. people that they thought were her friends. Uh, I don't uh, think she's. I never. I never. I didn't like it because I thought she was a heroine. She's not. She is. She is a. She's a bad player. Yeah. She's yeah. a con artist. Yeah. Now. I also don't have a lot of sympathy for some of the people who wanted to glom on to her. Well, I don't either. And followed her down this dark hole blindly because they wanted the celebrity that she brought with it. But at the same time, yeah, uh, I, I get it. And we talked about this accent. I don't know, Brad. I don't know if the I, – I get what you're saying. The accent was inconsistent. That's – that maybe this is the best word. That's, I, but, I, but I don't know if the inconsistency was intentional or not. That's what I don't know. It's a good question. And so if if, if she could turn if she, she was, could obviously turn it on and turn it off. Exactly. Yeah. So if she's a con person who's trying to be this other person and she's just not in she's just not consistent with her accent or was it from the actor standpoint she wasn't very consistent with her accent. I think that Julia Garner is a great actress. I, well, I, I and she's obviously got great chops. So I get the accent part. I'm not sure I don't have an answer for you. Well, and maybe, and this is so unfair, and you know it's unfair, but I was still having a little trouble detaching her from 
<laughs> from Ruth. Yes, uh, I, I, and I get that too. I uh, I made that leap maybe a couple of episodes in. I was able to, but I, I get it. I thought Anna uh, Chomsky played Vivian. I I thought she was a little over the top. Sometimes. Really? See, I like. I thought she was phenomenal. I thought she was spot on. I really liked her, and I loved that little ensemble cadre of reporters that now, were in they, her cubicle. Those folks together, those, I loved them. Those three, they were really that good. trio of actors were phenomenal as a little supporting ensemble. I agree. I and agree. we've seen those people in other things. You you would recognize all of them. In fact, if you've watched Billionaire, and it's on Showtime, I think, or it may be HBO, the guy who had the glasses plays a really nasty character on Billionaire. And that was one I had trouble making the bridge because he was such a nice, funny guy as this reporter friend compared to his nasty persona and character on Billionaire. Was that was the one female actor? Was she in American President? Was she was in something? And I'm trying to. She's one of those character actresses that you know her when you see her. And I, I feel bad because I think people like that need more recognition. But I don't know. Her. I don't know any three of those names. You know, we could look it up on IMDb. I kept but, looking at her and saying, um, "Man, I know her from what?" <laughs> yeah, but you know. We're getting older. We remember well, that, that. It may not be for everybody, but yeah. it was an interesting story. And that's the other thing. Janet and I always kind of get hooked into stories based on real life. So, you know, they're very careful at the beginning of each episode to say every part of this story is true, <laughs> except that all the stuff we made <laughs> stuff, up. You know, that, made something up. like that. So, yeah, that's cool. Hey, Bon Vivants, don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, Bon Vivants, you know when We Like That Too was launched, we knew very little about what was needed to promote the podcast online. That's right. So we turned to Greg Arnold at GAA Consulting. GAA Consulting was a lifesaver helping us get things started. Greg is a small business owner who loves helping small businesses grow. He takes the time to listen to your business goals. GAA Consulting will custom design your website and create a digital marketing strategy to help you reach those goals. Every project is tailor-made to meet your small business needs and preferences. And Greg can teach you to manage things yourself, or you can hand things over to him and he'll lighten your workload. You know, if your business needs help building an online presence, visit GAAConsultingLLC.com. That's GAAConsultingLLC.com. Custom solutions for your small business needs. And thanks to Greg for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, Bon Vivants. Now back to the nonsense. All right. The other one I think you watched, and I don't know if you've got it got it down, but uh, the new Reacher. Oh, yeah. Amazon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We bit, we did binge it. I think we watched them all over a weekend. They don't kill enough people in that show. Body know? count's pretty high in that show. <laughs> a lot of squids. Body count, <laughs> body count and gunplay is pretty high in that show. So here's where you got to come from on Reacher. I don't know if you read the Reacher books. Okay, so th- there's a whole series of books with Jack Reacher as the central character. There's a huge following and a huge cadre of fans out there. So Tom Cruise several years back made a one or two Jack Reacher movies. They were not bad movies except for the fact that Jack Reacher in the books is described very specifically as a certain physical type. Big, strong, huge, and that ain't Tom Cruise. No, it is this guy. It, you know, um, as well acted as Tom Cruise may have done it, the physical type never matched what the character in the books was, but you're correct. This guy, what, who, do you, you have his name? Alan Richson. Yeah. 
who hasn't done a whole lot. He's of, been uh, in some superhero movies, which makes sense. He's well, built like a Greek guy. He's, yeah. he's got lots of he's ripples. Got lots of, lots of ripples. Yeah, a lot of, lot of, <laughs> lot of ripples. All in the right places. But I thought, you know, I thought acting wise, I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, the story is, you know, kind of what you expect. It's, but, but I was entertained. Oh, I thought the, it was I thought fun. it was very entertaining. And the other thing was the guy, you know, you say, oh, he's not a very good actor, but that's the Jack Reacher character too. Doesn't say much, isn't gregarious, doesn't have a big personality, quiet, under the radar, short answers, one-word answers. It's like that's who Jack Reacher is if you know the books, if that's the character. So he fit the character he really well. He fit it well. and that's what he did and you, yeah. just, and you just knew when – Somebody said the wrong thing that yeah. the big can of whoop ass was yeah. was yeah. was going to come it out, nothing, and it wasn't going to be pretty. It wasn't nothing for him to open a fifty gallon drum of whoop ass on people. Yeah, I liked it. We like I said, you know, to my shock, Janet liked it because she doesn't always get into that action type stuff. And uh, you know, Willa, Willa Fitzgerald was the actress who played Roscoe. I loved her, and I liked her. She was a phenomenal. Lot. She was great. I hope she, to see more of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On on screen is what I mean. I knew exactly what yeah, you meant. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So anyway. So what do you got what do you watch that I hadn't seen? So I've I've watched a couple of things that I recommend you go back and watch. And one of them really surprised me. It's a series called Formula One on Netflix. Now okay. I am not a race car fan. I am not a race fan. I mean I think it's two hours of left turns. Okay, but this series, Formula One, is all about the Formula One circuit and mostly in Europe. But they travel all the money involved in these Formula One teams, the politics, the drivers, the team captains, the the pit crews. It is fascinating. The whole business of racing always, always really kind of interests me in that they've got this team. They've got these incredibly expensive cars, incredibly and, expensive and, cars, and, and teams. how they make how they make the how they make money. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, there's no way that the prize money that they win in a race even begins. Of course, I guess that's why they it's got a, stickers and stuff. Well, all it's over. A, not sponsors, only that, but it's a but, marketing thing for a lot of. I mean, Ferrari, Ford has a team. Ferrari has a team. Oh yeah, you know these auto manufacturers are making. And they're developing technology along the way, but it is high science. It is high, you know, it is high tech. Yep. And it's fascinating behind the scenes to see all the stuff they do. It's some of the crashes are amazing. People walk away from. It reminds me of the Mash episode when Trapper asks uh, Hawkeye, "Are you going to the uh, cockroach races tonight?" He says, "No. People just go to those to see a cockroach crash." <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's fascinating. I, I recommend Formula One, even if you're not a race car fan. If you are a race fan, you're going to love it. And the other thing that my daughter, my younger daughter, turned us on to is a series called Cheer. And this is about competitive cheering, especially at the college level. And um, this one little junior college down in Texas that for their size school, it just kills it every year. That's their thing. Yeah. And they give scholarships. People, the best cheerleaders in the country want to go there. It's really, really interesting. Very interesting. It's been, I think it's two seasons in and we, we kind of binge that too. So cheer is interesting. And I didn't think I'd like it either. I thought, ah, cheer. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty cool. Some heartbreaking stories. 
actually. So those are some things we've been watching. Well, I got a couple. Yeah. What but, else? But I can't necessarily say that I give them ringing endorsements. That's all right. For some reason, I watched it. Have you watched – did you watch Space Force with I, Steve, Stephen Carell? I watched the first season. I did. I got to say uh, I watched the first season. General Mark Naird, who's running the Space Force. The, the best part of the thing is John Malkovich is in it. I agree. And John <laughs> – John Malkovich is, is hilarious. Now, and Lisa Kudrow's in it, and she's in prison. Yes. Did you ever figure out why she was in prison? Yeah, All you have sudden- to go back and watch season one. Here's the thing. Season one, I started out, and it was hilarious. I was rolling in the floor. And then about halfway through season one, they started changing things up, and they started trying to become meaningful and having these message-driven yeah. episodes. And I'm like, what do you guys – okay, what do you guys want to be? Yeah. Do you want to be a comedy or do you want to be a social commentary on – you know? And so it was just like near the end of season two, I was kind of like, yeah. I'm not sure where this is going. Did you run out of funny – yeah, or something? I don't know. Yeah, was- and then – and then I actually didn't know they were going to do a season two. And I watched the first part of season two, maybe one and a half episodes. And it was just stupid <laughs> to me. It was not funny because it was so stupid. It was like the old – it was melodramatic. Yeah. Everything was over the top. Everything was nonsensical. I mean the players are all good. Yeah. They don't know what – I think it's schizophrenic. I don't think they know what they want to be. That's well, my take. I, my, my feeling is if there's a season three, I'll be – very surprised. I was shocked. I was shocked they came back yeah. in season two because I didn't think they were going to. What anyway, the, so the, what, the, so, the premise: Bombi Vines is a, he is he becomes he's a general and he becomes the head of the new space force yeah. and they've got their own compound. It's out in the middle of nowhere, and of course, you know they end up having to save the world and little things like that. But yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's a C. Yeah, C yeah, minus, yeah. C plus. And, and you know, if, if you're into that silly comedy, you probably would love it. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just wasn't for Speaking me. Speaking of silly comedies, have you watched Diddy of Murderville? <laughs> I tried it too. <laughs> okay. So, so tell the Bon Vivants what Murderville is all about. All right. Will First Arnett- of all, where did you hear about Murderville? Because I bet we heard about it at the same place. Well, we did on one of our other favorite podcasts, yeah. which is Smartless. Smartless. Because yeah. Will, Arnett Will Arnett plays Terry Seattle. Yeah. And he is a uh, detective. And he's got some he's got some other pretty funny players that are are with him. You talk about a formula type show. It's every one of them is kind of the same. It's just a different murder. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, but Will and the other players know what's going on, but they bring a guest in each episode and the guest is totally clueless. The, the, no pun intended. The guest, the guest comes in and has to improvise. They, they improvise everything. They're, let me tell you who they've got. So they had Annie Murphy, yeah. uh, Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll go I, back. I saw the and, Conan O'Brien. Episode. Okay, and then they had Sharon Stone. Yeah. Uh, they had Kumail Nanunji. Yeah. Who was in the uh, the Big Sick? Yeah. Great, uh, great Ken movie, Jong. By the way. Ken Jong was one of them. Yeah. Conan O'Brien, of course. Yeah. And Marshawn Lynch from the Seahawks. Football player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's evidently done some movies and stuff. So anyway, these people come in and you've got the premise is that there's a murder. There's a murder. They've got to figure out who did it. And so they've got this series of scenes and basically it's an opportunity to see if they can uh if they can crack up the guests. Yeah. 
And yeah. and they they are very successful in both. It's the old Tim Conway Harvey Corman deal. It's exactly right. Yeah. And because one of the scenes that they do for everybody is they put an earplug in and Will goes, "No, you you go in there and you just say whatever it is that I have to tell you." And so they go into the scene yeah. and you know, Will gives them these ridiculous lines yeah. and they try to keep from cracking up. It it is definitely the yeah, Harvey and, it's and a, Tim Conway it's thing. It's a niche thing. They've got a niche that nobody else is hitting and from the improv standpoint, I appreciate that model because nobody else is doing it. No, but the episode I did watch the uh, Conan O'Brien episode. Conan was pretty actually. Conan was better at it. He did well. Yeah, but it. I just couldn't hang. I just. I probably. Am, I, I might go back and try it again. But, Andy uh, Murphy just kind of smirks through her. <laughs> through yeah. her episode, and actually, Marshawn Lynch was. That's pretty good. That one I might watch just to see. <laughs> he, he, was, he may be thinking of post, you know, post player uh, career. So, yeah. so anyway, uh, it was kind funny. of fun. But it, I didn't know if you'd seen all of them. But I have not seen all it, of them. But it I almost know about it. and yeah, were they were they all good? No, but it does sort of it does sort of make you wonder. Boy, I'd like to see this person, this person, and this person try give this a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, now if you know, let's say you or I got asked to do that, I go back and watch these, and you know what the formula is, yes. and you've got a pretty good idea of some of the stuff that you could do on the show. But Will Arnett is quick enough; he's quick on his feet. Will is, and he's great. funny. Yes, and I bet he throws some curveballs at those. Oh, people. he throws ridiculous yeah, stuff, especially yeah. with the ear. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. And the one with was Sharon Stone. They're actually in doing a an autopsy or something, and they're and they've got they're over the body, and there's blood spurting oh, out gosh. all over the place, and and she's trying to keep it together. That's too funny. She's trying to keep it together, and and he doesn't care. If he yeah, doesn't that's know. too funny. So. The the only other thing that Janet and I have started watching, and it is a new uh, miniseries on HBO plus or hbo max it's called the gilded age okay produced by julian fellows who did downton abbey so if you like these period pieces and i do we love them it's the american version of downton abbey set a little earlier this is the 1890s so just before turn of the century new york society which everybody had so much money they didn't even know how to spend it literally guilt you know gold gilding on everything gold it was, toilets it was over the top yeah and there was this classism old money new money classism even in the highest levels of society. You know, if you were new money, you could be the richest person in the country, but if it was new money, you weren't you were not considered you weren't cool. cool. Not cool yeah. cool for school, yeah. So it the characters are getting developed. It is a weekly release as far as the episodes. So you can't sit down and binge it unless you know, until you wait for the whole season to come out. But some really good cast. Christina Baranski's in it. Uh, Cynthia Nixon is in it. Nice. They play the two sisters who are sort of the the driving characters, and uh, yeah, some really good performances. And the production, the look of the thing is just phenomenal. Eighteen uh, nineties New York, you know, top hats and oh yeah, and gowns and stuff like that. It's it's it, it's I love that stuff, and and Julian Fellows knows how to do it. So uh, the Gilded Age, I recommend really. And then we got to see Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Do you like it? Um, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. It's different. There was, you know, I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on it. I thought there were some really strong performances, a couple of casting things I didn't buy at all. Um, I thought the, the way they rewrote the, or, or wrote a character for Rita Moreno was really nice mm -hmm. and she did a great job. 
yeah, overall, I thought it was effective. I thought it worked. It had a look to it. Had a style and feel to it. Yeah, great dance show. Some really strong dance numbers. Well, that's yeah. that's what it's known for. Yeah, and so it is. If that so. if that if that was lacking, well, then... Jerome Robbins, you know, choreographed the original, and uh, Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim did the music and lyrics, and so it's it's a pretty good team. Yeah, pretty yeah. good production team. Yeah. yeah, the music's not easy. I mean, you listen to that music, and it's like it's very syncopated yeah, in places. Yeah. yeah, if you if you like West Side Story and you like that kind of stuff. You probably will enjoy it. it. I know it took some hits critically. Yeah, well, you Haters know what? Gonna hate. But don't you? Yeah, but don't you think when you when you try to redo an iconic movie like that, you're just opening yourself up for some hits. Some people are die, they're just not going to like it. They're not going to like the fact that you even remade it. So, well, and, and those, I think Spielberg knew that going in. But if, if anybody could do it and take those hits, well, it was him. He could. Yeah, and I think he made it his own enough that it was okay. All right. Yeah. The one thing I didn't realize when we started it, I thought it was an updated version of West Side Story, but it wasn't. It was still set back in the fifties mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it was period. So that's well, we've I watched think. some stuff. This is this has been good. Has I'm been glad good. we got always, caught up. I always love talking about this stuff. And there's more. Janet always accuses me of watching too much television, and I do, but that's okay. Well, the next year surely, which will be coming up at some point. Gotta, gotta Actually, what we do is we'll just do the used Shirley's when we've uh, stacked up enough. <laughs> <laughs> Enough other new stuff. We sort of do that. We kind of do that anyway. Yeah, we hey, need to cat, get caught up. So. Hey, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's just do one. All right. But well, now we're at top three time. Top three top picks time. And uh, we're kind of going back to the top of the show and talking about. Yeah. And we've done it to ourselves again. We have. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. So based on the the wonderful concert we saw with uh, Scotty Emmerich and Paul Overstreet, we're going to do three top singer-songwriters. <laughs> this is impossible. Yeah, it is. It is. But we could I, have done this by genre. We could have done it a lot of ways yeah. other than the way we did it. But anyway, I'm, I'm right. okay with mine. Uh, I'm okay too. I'm, I'm going to cheat a lot on this one, but I'm okay with them. That's all right. What do you got? So I'm going to start with uh, – and you know me. I'm a lyrics guy. So I'm going to start with Chris Christopherson. Okay, very good. Um, I think the body of work that he has – and luckily, you know, we got to see him a couple of years ago we in did. concert. Down in Springfield. And I don't know that many people are going to get to see him much longer, unfortunately. But um, I hope that's not the case. But you know. Chris is a poet, and he's a poet who can put that poetry to music that's unique and has a style. And then when I think about the number of people who've recorded his stuff, he's not a great singer. You know, he'll admit he's not a great singer, but he has character in his voice. But I just think from a, a songwriter perspective, Chris Christopherson is certainly – on that scale of, of one of the tops. Well, I do too. And he's, you know, again, he's worked with everybody. You know, that's another thing. Uh, you look at these singer-songwriter people and it's not only what they do individually but what they've done together with others yeah. uh, that, that really makes yeah. them yeah. stand out because let's face it, you know, and, and you and I talked about this. We, you know, we didn't talk about the ones that we necessarily picked, but I mean, you've got Lennon and McCartney and you've got people like yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't go that direction. I didn't either. I went what I consider to be people that take one guitar and they stand on stage and they play their their music, yeah. which is pretty much the way they they started out for sure. If maybe they didn't end that way, but that's the way they they started out. And with a couple of, ex- of exceptions, I also pick people who probably are known more for songs their songs that other people recorded and had hits. That's with true too. Than themselves, Lennon and McCartney, great songwriters. But they recorded them themselves, and you know what I mean. So yep. maybe we should have just called this a songwriter thing, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. So what would you have first? 
I had uh, I had a guy that had he had five studio albums. It was all he had. He's in the Songwriter Hall of Fame in 1990. The worst part is he only lived to be 30 years old. He was born 1943 in Philly and died in 1973. And you'll get it after I tell you. Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yeah. Mr. Um, Mr. Jim, Jim Croce. Croce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I consider I, I consider his know, body I, of work some I of the some of the greatest songs. Uh, yeah. And he and he died. You know he had. He Gone had bad, way too soon. He had Bad, Bad Leroy Brown, and he had uh, Time in a Bottle, which were number one. But, I mean, if you look at, at the other songs that he – you know, he did Operator. You look uh, at that album, Life and Times, every song on there. He's a balladeer. Yeah, top to bottom. Every song is a story. He's the kind of guy you love because he's, he's a storyteller. Right. You know, he's a lyrics guy. You know, amazing. You know, I have to say, I love you with a song. I got yeah. a name. You know, all of those songs. Um, I can't hang up on no lover's cross for you. Oh my gosh, great song. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of my favorites, uh, the night I fell in love with a roller derby queen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> round and round. Ooh, round and round. When I had a guitar, well, I have a new one. I have a guitar now, but um, I always thought that I, I want to be good enough to be able to to play some Jim Croce songs. So I got the Jim <laughs> Jim Croce greatest hits. Uh, songbook. And I started looking through and trying to, this guy made, oh. he made shit up. There is no way. Some He's of those, phenomenal co- guitar some player. of those, those, those chords don't yeah. exist. Phenomenal I, guitar player. I don't know how you, you'd have to break, you know, some kind of bone in your, in your hand. His, just, just to, to get to some of the chords. And I was just like, his chord progressions and flat picking skill is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. As good a songwriter as he was, he's probably even a better guitar player. <laughs> I put the book down and said, yeah. well, I have the lyrics. You know, that's one reason <laughs> so, you don't hear a lot of performers cover Jim Croce stuff. Yeah. It's, it's or, hard. Or they, they have, uh, they have somebody else play it. Or they have yeah. somebody else play it or they make some, uh, they make some adjustments yeah. Yeah. Uh, to. They go back to those major chords. So, but anyway, Jim Croce would be I, one of g- great choice. Great of, choice. And one of my next one is not going to surprise anybody, and it may be a cop out, but I just uh, Willie Nelson is my next one, and simply because again, I look at the number of people who recorded his songs. People don't know that Willie Nelson wrote some of the stuff that re- that's been recorded. Crazy, yeah, Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein's crazy. That's, that's a Willie sh- Nelson song. Yep. You know, um, Frank Sinatra has recorded some Willie Nelson stuff and and made it great. I heard this song on a Frank Sinatra album one time, and I fell in love with it. It's a Willie Nelson song. <laughs> you know, it's not country. He transcends genres. Uh, he is a poet. He is a musician. He's a great performer. Luckily, got to see him several times, and hopefully, we'll again to see him again soon. But yeah, I think Willie Nelson's up there on the the mountaintop. You'd have to, you'd have to yeah. put Willie up there. I mean, he's yeah. Plus, I, he seems like just a fun guy. Yeah, I'd love to hang with Willie. Never smoke weed with Willie again. <laughs> don't smoke weed with him. <laughs> don't smoke weed with him. <laughs> According to Scotty Emmerich, you don't want to smoke yeah, weed. That's with right, him. and and I think Scotty would know. That was a hilarious story. <laughs> My oh, second man. one is. Uh, again, he was a, he was a singer songwriter, uh, born in Brooklyn, and he died at forty five, and had nine studio albums. Uh, I think probably of his albums, a couple of his live albums may have actually been, which is kind of rare, but a couple of his live albums may have been his most popular, and uh, that's Harry Chapin. Yeah, 
I really, love I really love doing it. And I think I, I fell in love with, with his music after hearing a couple of his double live albums where he really takes a deep dive into, into some songs that I was not familiar with that he had written. Of course, he had Cat's Cradle, which was, right. con, is yeah. in the Hall of Fame, which is considered yeah. in Taxi and WOLD. Uh, I want to learn, learn a love song. I mean, he, he was also, uh, a huge humanitarian. He gave away millions of, of his money fighting hunger. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. there, there's a couple of humanitarian awards. ASCAP has actually got a Harry Chapin humanitarian award for the work that he did. Yeah. But I always enjoyed him. I always liked, I, love, I always I liked love, Harry Chapin. Yeah. So, gone, another gone too soon. So yeah, he had so, a car accident. So I'm going to combine my, uh, honorable mentions. There's too many. To even worry about, so I'm going to combine my third choice, and it's Dolly Parton and Carol King. And again, Dolly Parton, the volume of work that she's done. Would you? People, li- would you like? Do you have some stats? No, but if you do, great. Yeah. So talk about Dolly real quick. Forty-four top ten country albums, one hundred and ten charted singles, eleven Grammys, two thousand six Kennedy Center Honor. 1999 was inducted into the Country Music, Country Music Hall, Hall of Fame. Of fame yeah. 2001 yeah. Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah. Here's the one though. How many songs has she? She's written over a thousand oh my songs. God. I, I don't even have that number. And a lot of them, again, a lot of them recorded by other people. You don't even know their Dolly songs. She has charted Keith in seven decades. Wow. I think the only other person that gets close to that is Cher. If you look at, you know, they've they've got a they've got. They've charted in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 10s, 20s. I think Cher But might if Cher could turn back time, she could have charted it even more. Very good. <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you did there. More saldo for Again, we, we, uh, we double on these frequently, and I'm not surprised that we doubled on Dolly. Well, it's hard not to. If, you know, if this woman ran for president, she'd win by 98%. Oh, no kidding. And I don't want to hang out with the 2% that doesn't She won't run. make enemies, and she doesn't make enemies. She and just, if you've ever heard her interviewed, it's uh, unbelievable how she can – she can navigate an interview and turn you every which way and make you say what you want to say and make you ask what you want to ask and yep. not answer anything she doesn't want to answer. That's right. And the literacy program that she's put together is is yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, she just oh, yeah. she is a national treasure she is. for sure. She is. Well, Carol King was the other one that I'm pairing with her because female genre. I did not realize until we saw the stage musical about Carol King's life how early she's she started as a teenager. She was in her teens. She was in her yeah. early teens early when teens. she started, and I mean not just started writing songs, but having songs published, recorded, and she was successful and uh, partnered with somebody for a long time. But again, a poet, a great performer, great beautiful voice. the The Tapestry album is still, I think. <laughs> It's still in the top 100, probably of all albums ever oh, yeah. sold. Oh yeah, and um, I think it's probably so I just, close to the top 10. Yeah, um, and, and uh, but but she was instrumental in that whole 50s and 60s. You know, the the transition from soul blues into pop and rock and that kind of thing with the uh, the Motown sound. Shirelles? Yeah, yeah. Well, she wrote a lot of stuff for yeah. that those those groups that were coming out of New York and Philadelphia and, and Detroit. Just again, you talk about a, a bibliography of American music. I just think Carol King's phenomenal. Well, so. you can't no no uh, 
No problem with that. Absolutely. No. Not 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 at all. Those were fun. Those that were was fun. Good. It was good. I got one I got one more okay. that is it's like uh the University of Missouri and Playboy's list of top college party schools. <laughs> it said a leg of its own to me, and that's John Prine. Well. And John again, you know, the the poetry. I, I think John is under known. I, I don't I think he's under recognized, but for John Prine fans it's you know a John Prine song when you hear it, and yep. uh, just uh, I've I fell in love with John Prine a long time ago, and but luckily got to hear him in concert once. Say time. the same thing about John Denver too. Yes, I, I, I almost put John Denver on the list, except yeah. I figured out that although John Denver wrote a lot of songs, his a lot of his hits were written by somebody by else. Somebody else, yeah, including John Prine, including yeah. John Prine. John yeah. Denver was my first exposure to John Prine music, yeah, because he recorded a lot of John Prine songs. Well, that was fun. Very good. Yeah. We covered a lot of we covered a lot of territory. I think that. we covered uh, we we checked all the boxes that this show was intended yeah. to to, yeah. <laughs> to do. So, one more shout out to our uh, bottle sponsor, Matt Green, down at Bar Vino in beautiful downtown Jefferson City, and the Saldo Red Blend was phenomenal today. Nice choice. Go buy a bottle and. Yep. Uh, until next time, Bon Vivants. Hey, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.